to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, it's great to be with you this morning. We're in the middle of our sermon series, Animated, where we look at the book of Proverbs through Disney and Pixar films. So my reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. But before we go to God's word, let us spend some time in prayer. Let's pray together. God, we do give you thanks that your word is open to us. Help us to understand it and apply it that we may live the lives you have called us to. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one that he loves as a father, the son or daughter in whom he delights. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. So all those years ago, when Cindy and I got married and we met at the altar and she said, I do, I know she had absolutely no idea the project that she was committing herself to. More than 30 years on, she is still patiently working, and believe it or not, this may be hard for you to understand, but believe it or not, the person you see standing in front of you now is actually the new and improved version. Count yourselves fortunate, and if you see her, give her great thanks. So our film this week is Frozen. I don't know if you have somehow avoided seeing the film over the last 10 years, 
Congratulations. And I really don't want to spoil that for you, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the film, but suffice it to say that there are four main characters. There are two female characters and two male characters. The females, there's Elsa. Elsa is the older sister. She has these magical, mystical powers where she touches things and they turn to ice and snow. She's a bit fearful of this. She's not able to control it very well. And so she kind of locks herself in the room. There's Anna, her younger sister. She has no magical powers. And all that she wants, all that she desires in life is to spend time with her sister. To just be together and play together and do all the things that sisters do. But Elsa's been cordoned off, sequestered in her room, door locked. And so they live completely isolated lives. Then there's the two male characters. There's Hans, the dashing and debonair prince. And you assume upon meeting him in the film that this is a regular Disney film and he's going to come in and save the day and sweep one of these lovely women off their feet and they're going to live happily ever after. But that's not how it plays out. And then there's Kristoff. Kristoff is kind of awkward, <laughs> ungainly. He's a loner, he's a woodsman, his best friend, and the only one he really talks to is a reindeer. He was raised by rock trolls. So of all the people that are a project, of the two men, he is definitely the project. Now, I had seen Frozen before, a couple of times actually, but I had forgotten, kind of in the midst of the film, this one scene, the scene where... Kristoff, the ungainly loner one, and Anna, the younger sister, he brings her to meet his rock troll family, and they get very excited because they now see him with a girl, and I think, finally. And then this song ensues. This song, I'm not going to sing it, even though Jeff requested that I sing. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. But this song ensues, which could really potentially be my theme song and it's called Fixer Upper it's not funny <laughs> these are the words or some of the words is it the clumpy way he walks or the grumpy way that he talks or the pear-shaped square-shaped weirdness of his feet and though we know he washes well he's al he always ends up Sort of smelly. But you'll never meet a fella who's as sensitive and sweet. So he's a bit of a fixer-upper. He's got a few flaws. His peculiar brain deer, that thing for his reindeer, that's outside a few of nature's laws. So he's a bit of a fixer-upper. This we're certain of. You can fix this fixer-upper with a little bit of love. He's just a bit of a fixer-upper. He's got a couple of bugs. His isolation is confirmation of his desperation for healing hugs. You're starting to see a theme. Fixer-upper happens a whole lot, and I only read part of it to you. Fixer-upper, fixer-upper all the time. Now, I don't know if you're aware of how, how pastors get assigned to preaching. Ultimately, we know Jeff does the bulk of the preaching, and then Jeff and Lindsay get together and kind of parcel out the rest of the sermons 
And I'm sitting there with Cindy watching Frozen, and this song comes on, and I thought, they set me up. <laughs> they did this on purpose. They, there is something that Jeff and Lindsay want to communicate to me. I thought, maybe if we give him this picture, he'll watch it, and he'll get the idea that, Dan, you've got some issues we need to address. <laughs> Again, it's not funny. <laughs> so I'm kind of depressed writing this sermon, and then fortuitously, or perhaps it was by God's divine orchestration, Sydney and I were invited to a wedding anniversary where there are a bunch of other people from RPC there. And we had the pleasure of sitting at a table with two other RPC couples, a little bit older than us, very well known in church, and they'll remain nameless, but it rhymes with Lynn Keenum. <laughs> and so we were there, and the two men of these couples were just talking, as they are wont to do, a lot, telling all sorts of stories and tales and adventures and all this stuff with both of their wives rolling their eyes continually and, you know, occasionally just kind of patting them and saying, okay, it's time to calm down, settle down, let somebody else speak, or you really shouldn't tell that story in this space, or all those kind of things. And I realized at that moment... That Fixer Upper was not only my theme song, but their theme song as well. And that in reality, that's the theme song for all of us. Even Jeff who gave me this. That each of us is a Fixer Upper. Each of us is deeply flawed. So what I found in this film, and watching this film, kind of one of the embedded messages kind of deep within there is that each and every one of the characters is a fixer-upper, is flawed. And I see that mirrored in Scripture, particularly in the Proverbs. Now, I'm not sure how well you have been tracking with this sermon series and watching the films. It may seem a little simplistic to use Disney films as a way to unpack the book of Proverbs. And yet deep within each one of these films are truths, golden nuggets of wisdom and inherent truth about the human condition. And these are often reflected or mirrored in the Proverbs. Some of the same ideas and thoughts and what I discovered in watching this and in reading this chapter was that the fixer-upper that I saw in myself is universal. And the writer of Proverbs is also suggesting the same thing throughout the entire book. The sage, the writer, is writing to this young person, this pupil, and saying, this is wisdom, this is what godly wisdom looks like, here are the benefits of it. But here is folly, foolishness, and if you pursue this, these are the likely consequences. Why does it have to be that way? Well, seemingly, the sage is writing these things because it is not innate. It is not intuitive for us to pursue godly wisdom. The comparison and contrast has to be evident so they can see this is the right way to go. And this is the wrong way to go or the foolish way to go. But you are likely want to go this way more often than not. 
And so we come to this chapter in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. And the idea here is that wisdom is not just something that we inherit, but that real wisdom, genuine wisdom, comes from a relationship with God. Listen again to these words several times through this chapter that we just read. It says these words, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In everything you do, acknowledge him. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. Consistently saying, trust in the Lord, that this is where real wisdom is found. And then following immediately after that, the writer, the sage says, here are the benefits. Listen again. Your path will be made straight. It will be healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. And then a reminder. For the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves as a father disciplines the son or daughter in whom he delights. Trust in the Lord with everything about you. For this is where wisdom is derived. Obviously easier said than done. Our culture encourages us differently. But genuine wisdom is found only in this way and on this path. What else does it say? Well, there's a reminder in there that we are universally, like part of the human condition is our brokenness, is our folly, is our want to do things for ourselves. But it says by pursuing godly wisdom, by trusting in the Lord with our lives, the benefit will be that you will gain favor in the sight of God and with all people. It says, do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Loyalty and faithful, faithfulness are what is derived from living a life trusting in God and pursuing godly wisdom. And as a result of that, we'll find favor with God and all people. So think about it for a moment. Who are the people historically that we look to that are most revered? Not necessarily the most influential or the most wealthy or the most even well-known, but people that are just revered for the way that they live their lives. Sacrificially, for the benefit of others. People like Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa. There are people within our own community, people in this very room, who who many of us look to and think, That is a person who understands what it means to pursue godly wisdom. 
who is generous with their time, their talents, their wealth. That's somebody that we admire. And that's the suggestion here. This is what happens. This is how one of the ways that we know, one of the signs that we are pursuing godly wisdom is that our lives become less self-absorbed and about our own satisfaction and our own needs and our own wants and our own comfort and actually about others. That's real wisdom. There's also an encouragement in this chapter. An encouragement to have these things be part of our innate, our inner selves. It says, wear them around your neck. Bind them around your neck. Like a necklace you would wear underneath your clothing. That's there. You know it's there. No one else can see it. But you sense it. You feel it. It reminds you of who you are and whose you are. It says, write these things on the tablet of your heart. There's an encouragement there to take this book and read it and memorize it and commit it to every aspect of your life so that when we do face challenges, when there are questions, when there are difficulties, when we don't know which way to go, the Holy Spirit has something upon which to draw and say, this is the way. It's why we have community. We are not meant to live isolated lives. We gather together into community, one, to worship, but two, to be vulnerable with one another, to help one another be all that God created us to be. Now imagine if in my marriage, my relationship with Cindy, I constantly had to wear my husbandry, my person, as a cloak, as something that had to remind her, look what I did. I cut the grass today, Cindy. Aren't you proud? Or I put the dishes away. Or I brought another paycheck home. Isn't that fantastic? That would get old very quickly. But when I do those things because it's part of who I am becoming, there's a sense that I'm applying these aspects, these characteristics to the inner parts of my life. And that's the encouragement here. We bind them around our neck. We write them on the tablets of our heart. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, those who are trying to be Christ-like, Jesus is the one that we emulate. Jesus is the one that we aspire to be like. That is the, the person, the demonstration of his life that we are trying to live out. So this book is encouragement to do that. So apart from Frozen being a reminder to me how much I long for cooler weather in the midst of this very hot, humid summer, it also reminded me how much I need Cindy and actually each of you to be a part of my life to help me pursue godly wisdom to help me put away my desires to live for myself and turn to live for the benefit of other people. To help me apply the teachings and life of Jesus to the deep inner parts of my life 
so that I live it out, that it's embedded in who I am. And I assume because each of us are fixers-uppers, that the same is also true for you. We need one another. The book of Hebrews reminds us, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. There's a sense there, there's encouragement to motivate each other, to, to help each other do good things, to love the way that Jesus loved. Spurring one another on suggests that it's something that we need each other to encourage us to do. And then later in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 17 reminds us, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. That is the beauty of the family of God. That we encourage one another, we motivate one another, we're vulnerable with one another, we open ourselves, we avail ourselves to the Spirit of God through one another and through the Word. Thanks be to God that we have this community. Let us avail ourselves of every aspect of it so that we can be all that God created us to be. Amen. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.